What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rico's Watches podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined once again by a previous guest who has come back for round two, uh, James from Flying Spring Bar. Uh, through popular demand and positive feedback, uh, I guess my audience really enjoyed uh, having him on last time, as did I, and uh, they requested he come back for more, and he graciously has accepted. So how's it going today, James? Very well. How's it going, Eric? Good, good. I'm, I'm really happy to have you back on here, uh, fellow nice Canadian. To be back. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and uh, yeah, I, I just we're just gonna kind of have a fun chat today and get into a myriad of topics, uh, nothing crazy specific or anything, and just uh, have a good time. But before we do all that, what do you have on the wrist today? What do I have on the wrist? I have got a very special. Uh, very special watch to me. It's a Seiko Grand Seiko. Uh, the, the reference number is SBGC001. Uh, up there. It is the Grand Seiko Spring Drive Chronograph, which at uh, one point in time was uh, Grand Seiko's most complex movement, mm -hmm. um, which was uh, adequately reflected when I recently got it serviced. Um, that was a, that was a fun adventure in its own, but, um, it's a really, it's a really important, it's a really special watch. Uh, if you don't mind me giving you a little, little story on this one, it was a watch that I purchased when my son was born. I think a lot of us do this. We, we buy a watch to commemorate some big life event. Um, for me, it was, it was the birth of my son and, uh, and it came in and, and kind of the interesting thing about, uh, about that is, is not just the birth, but my son had a really rough time medically uh, right out of the gate. And I, I won't go into details, but um, over the course of, you know, his uh, three and a half years uh, on earth, we've, we've almost lost him five times. So it's, it's been pretty intense and um, something happened to me with this watch. So I got the watch and then he got sick and I was like struck with guilt. Like, why am I buying watches? Well, my son's lying in a hospital bed. That's that was just um, it was a bad feeling. So I, I felt so guilty over it. I sold the watch. I got rid of it kind of as quickly as I as I got it, and um, and then was really kind of you know then felt bad about having gotten rid of the you know the birth watch because as you start to normalize uh, the illness, you start to wonder, well, you know, there's his birth is still worth commemorating, you know? So, so you kind of, I kind of waffled back and forth. And then my favorite dealer, uh, Michael Paletti, uh, he goes by uh, my left wrist on Instagram. This is a, a dealer I work almost exclusively with just because he's such a pleasure to, to buy and sell from, but it showed up kind of in his watches. So I hadn't sold it to him. I sold it to someone else, but I guess it had been traded around and landed back in his collection of stuff for sale. And I wasn't sure if it was the same watch, but there was a kind of unique ding on one of the lugs. And sure enough, when I asked for kind of the high res pictures, there was the ding. So it was, it was not just the watch, it was my watch, right? And uh, I wrote him and, and we went back and forth. I told him, he, he knew the story of my son. I told him, you know, that this was the watch. And we kind of went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And he was like, he's a, he's a dad too and, and loves being a dad like I do. So he kind of, I think he felt it, you know, he really kind of felt it. And in the end, he's like, look, you kind of, you know, you need this watch and I'm going to sell it to you at my cost just because you need to get this watch. So I did, I bought it again and it came back, you know, came all the way back around and, and this time, you know, I've, I've had my, my moments of, you know, guilty again that I, that, you know, he's sick and I'm buying watches and, but, you know, I've managed to, I guess, disconnect them a little bit and, and now I have it. And now I'm, you know, I sent it off to be serviced at, uh, you know, took eight months and thousands of dollars to get it serviced. So, you know, if you have a grand stake, oh, be careful <laughs> with the servicing costs, but yeah, now it's this, you know, it's, it's beautiful, pristine. It's, you know, tied to my son and, and I, I just love it for that. So it's probably got the most emotional baggage of any watch I own. And that's kind of the, the long story of, of, uh, of this one. I, I wanted, I wore this one specifically so I could, you know, have an excuse to tell you that story. Um, because I think it's, uh, I think a lot of us attach big feelings or big events to, to these watches and, uh, and yeah, that's it. But um, tell me about what's on your wrist, Eric. 
Well, I'll get to that in a sec, but thank you for uh, sharing that that story with myself and with the audience. I know that obviously has a lot of, you know, that, that, that watches a lot of meaning to you and there's a lot of meaning behind it. And that's, uh, you know, sorry for what you're going through with your, your child's health, but I think that that's a, a great watch. And I think you're definitely right in saying like his birth deserves to be commemorated regardless. And that's a fantastic, uh, fantastic piece to do it with. Yeah. And I think, I think last time we recorded, you were waiting on that watch to arrive or it was just about to arrive. And then we just missed it by like a day or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. It was, uh, it was, uh, coming back from, it was coming back from service and I, I was really hoping to, to kind of, to get it on the show, but, um, but it only came a few days later. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that it was here to talk about today. And yeah. yes, on my wrist is, uh, Oddly enough, a watch that you're still connected to as well <laughs> is, uh, is uh, my uh, Panerai Pam 25. I had been uh, looking for this watch uh, in this configuration, locks and papers in good shape for probably about 18 months. And just kind of through serendipitous twist of fate, you were uh, on the show and, and we chatted and you're like, Hey, I got one of these and I'm looking to get rid of it. And uh, I'm like, sweet, I'll take it. And you gave That's me a, awesome. you gave me a smoking good deal on it, which thank you for that as well too. And it was amazing that it was already on this side of the border because yeah. I didn't have to pay any sort of crazy taxes or anything like that on it as well too. It arrived. And honestly, it was like, I put it on my wrist and it, like, I felt like, a lot of the times when you're really excited about a piece, you're really hyping up a piece in your mind, you're looking for it for a long time. You sort of expect this like, you know, angelic moment where the right. the, the, the beam of light's going to come out from the sky and the harps are going to start playing. and the Clouds like, oh. part. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, this is, this is it. This is finally it. I'm so happy. It's, you know, and a lot of the time, you know, if the hunt is better than than the catch, right? It's a little bit more you kind of, it, it falls a little lackluster sometimes when that happens. And this was one of those watches. And the only time I'd ever felt it otherwise was with the, uh, with the, the, the tutor where it was like, you got the watch, you put it on and you're like, this was worth every last minute of waiting blood, sweat, and tears to make this watch happen. And it nice. feels like it was honestly made for me. I love this watch so much so thank you very much for your contribution to helping it uh, eventually arrive on my wrist and i gotta say i like, miss it so much man <laughs> well uh, you're not getting it back so, <laughs> so. of course not <laughs> but it's uh it's in like fantastic shape too like i i all the ones i'd seen because it's titanium and they made you know they stopped making this iteration of the submersible i think in like 2011 um they were just so many of them are just have the snot beat out of them and they're, you know, they, they're, they charge a little bit less form in that shape, but not significantly less for them. And yours was like, it looked like it had just come off the showroom floor. Segment. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't believe Segment. it. So what was the story for you about where this watch came from? Cause I know you had gotten it from another Canadian fellow as well. Yeah, I got it from, uh, I got it from another guy. I'm trying to remember who I'm trying to remember who. It doesn't matter, but yeah, no, I just, he, it popped up, uh, for sale. I, I follow him on, uh, must've been on Instagram. Anyways, I, wherever I follow him, I, it popped up and he said, you know, for sale. And, and we went back and forth. I think I traded him for, for something. Jeez. I, I don't remember now the details and it came and, and like I told you, the only thing that was missing was that Velcro strap. Mm -hmm. Which took me a while to source, but I found, uh, Again, uh, Michael Paletti uh, came through. I told him I was looking for one and he bought a batch of straps and lo and behold, in there was this mint, because no one actually wears the Velcro strap. It's not it's not a particularly nice uh, strap. It's just kind of nice to have that full kit, you know, to have that full piece. So he had this one come along and and uh, I don't know if I traded him for it. But anyways, I, I, I got it from him at uh, no small expense, a surprising value in those Velcro straps. And then kind of had the full kit and I'm obsessive like that. Even if it's a watch that I know, not, that's not true. It's not a matter of whether I'm going to sell it or not. Um, I never really know until I've completed the kit. So I complete the set. I, I obsessively complete the set. And then sometimes I'll turn around and sell it afterwards. Cause kind of the fun was like you said, the hunt, the hunt for the various pieces to, to, uh, to make it uh, complete. 
and in the you know terms of a strap it's it's uh pretty innocuous to add a strap as long as it's the right one um to to finish a set so that's it and and then i i wore it and it just i loved wearing it and somehow it it seemed to deflect any sort of abuse like it never got scratched it never got and i don't know how because i've got other stuff that you know manages to scratch and it doesn't even leave the watch box so i don't know how that happens but that thing just stayed pristine and um yeah it was perfect size i wanted i wanted a submersible but i wanted 44 millimeters so at the mm-hmm. time i like i i had owned was it the 1305 the full 47 millimeter one and that was just too big i really tried to love the 47 millimeter panerize and i had a few i had a 422 twice um i had uh the 13 i think it's a 1305 um but the basically the full size titanium titanium full size submariner anyway uh, submersible and no matter how much i tried i just couldn't uh I couldn't do it. They weren't comfortable. It's like the big pilot, the IWC's mm-hmm. big pilot. I own two of those too. Um, I'd buy them because I, I bought it because I loved it. And then it was just not comfortable. It's just too big to be comfortable. And so I'd sell it, uh, but I just loved it so much. I just wanted it so much that I bought it again. And sure enough, it, you know, nothing had changed. It was still too big and too uncomfortable. So off it went. So anyways, all that to say, I wanted the aesthetics of the submersible, but I wanted 44 mils and they, I think now there's a 44 millimeter one, but then you had no choice, but to go back to the 24, 25. And I think there's a few other um, Mm -hmm. uh, previous references that, that were that, that case and 44 mils. Um, But there was no choice. So I, you know, I started looking for one, starting to try, trying to find one. And I originally wanted the stainless steel one, but that I find often comes strangely overpolished, unless they made one that was overpolished or just full polished. But I, it just didn't make sense to me to have a full polished dive watch. Um, seems to me like it would just be bait for a Barracuda. Uh, not that I actually dive with my dive watches, but um, yeah. So the titanium one came up. It was in immaculate shape, and you know I love, I do love titanium. I have a obsession with the material kind of outside of watches so didn't mind it i know a lot of people have a have some issues with the lightness of titanium they feel mm-hmm. like it's like i don't know to feel they they want the heft on the wrist um yeah grabbed it loved it one oh that's the other thing we something we talked about last time is i had another panerai on its way and panerai is the kind of thing that i kind of keep one in the collection i don't really need more than one and so I had a, a 289, which I can show you. I have it right here. I had a 289, which was off. This was off at service too. Nice. Can you see that there? And, um, and it came back. It's the eight-day GMT. It's basically a 233, but in 18 karat. And um, it's, uh, it's the one, you know, so I had this coming in. So I only needed one Panerai. So, so the one I sold you had to go out. And I, and I genuinely regret it now. Um, but you know, you know, as well as I do that there is a finite amount of resources and an infinite amount of watches. So we have to let some stuff go in order to get new stuff in. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's a fantastic story and it's cool that you got one in the collection again. It's a, I mean, you got an 18 karat Panerai. That's pretty cool, man. That they don't make a lot of those. So I think that's awesome, but it's, yeah, I mean, with regards to your point about titanium, I think that like, especially when you're getting into like a 44 millimeter Panerai, it's still not what I would call a light watch. It's significantly, it's significantly lighter than it would be in steel, which I, I love uh, the weight of this thing as it is. And I, I think titanium is a fantastic material, you know, from a practical standpoint on a, on a dive watch, but as well, but it just, it's so cool. Like I just, I look at it and like, I love all brushed uh, panerize and primarily they only make them in titanium where they completely brush them and it just looks so mean and so like complex and and the one thing that i particularly enjoy about the watch a lot too is that hobnail dial which i was gonna say it's the dial man the dial is just well it's out of this world it like it like it, in lower light like in, in the studio right now it's very like it just looks like the 24 like it just has kind of a matte black kind of finish on it you can't really see it but then 
you just you every once in a while you're under like those bright fluorescent lights or you just go outside and you just it just catches you in the sun and you're like wow like this is yeah. it reminds me of the old like the first iteration of the of the wave dial um seamasters yeah. where it's like it would just catch the light in a certain way and you're like wow this is like this is a cool thing that they did and it's still to this day like they don't make a lot of hobnail uh, hobdale wow hobnail. I'm, I'm, hobnail. Having, I'm having a moment hobnail. <laughs> am, I, am i okay, am I okay? <laughs> hobnail dial there you uh, go. panorize they don't make a lot of those anymore and um they are uh it's such a cool piece. So I, once again, thank you. I, I love this watch. It is definitely going to be a keeper. It's, it's, it, it's, I feel bad. Like the Pelagos is looking sad sitting there in the watch boxes. I kind of like, I have to like pick back and forth between my two favorite children now, you know, it's, it's tough, but I, uh, well, I'm proud if anything's going to unseat that Pelagos, it might be, uh, it might be my Pam 25. Well, um, and, and, and it went to a good home, right? It went to, well, that's, you know, that's what, I mean, it's, it's funny. Like we're, we get a little bit connected to these things or we get a little bit possessive of them and I'm, I'm happy it landed um, with someone I like, and it's not just going to, you know, be flipped over and over. And, and uh, it's, it's good that it went to a, a deserving loving home uh, where it can spend the, the rest of its life uh, being cared for. So that's, uh, that's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't, and honestly, I can't wait to beat the crap out of this thing. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think it's just like, just like the tutor, like it's, it just looks better the more dings and scratches it gets on it. And I think that, that now it's going to be, uh, you know, put, uh, put to the test, you know, I've already had it in the, uh, in the engine compartment of the uh, 928 a couple of times and wore it doing some work on that and things like that. And it's held up well, but it's already got a couple of tiny little itty bitty little battle scars starting to form on it which i love that that bezel that they put on it's so cool too and, and as it gets yeah. dinged up it just looks better and better so really really cool but you brought up an interesting an interesting point with regards to uh selling watches so i am uh selling a couple watches right now and uh, i know obviously you've bought sold flipped a ton of watches and i, I don't yeah. like i'm fine i haven't for a long time sold a piece and I'm not necessarily selling watches that are particularly like hot watches either that, that, you know, go right away. Like I, I put my Omega up uh, and I ended up trading it with a really great, um, with a really great uh, collector who I'll, we'll talk about that a little later on the show. Cause it's kind of a cool project, but um, I have a couple other pieces. I have my Seiko Belmatic and then I have, which I, I thought maybe would sell a little easier, like, um, you know, vintage Seikos, especially ones that are in good shape and well-preserved. Generally, I thought they were a pretty hot item. And then I have my old Hamilton 992B railway watch, yeah. which is like, I know that's a hard sell. I know like pocket watches are a hard sell. I'm not under any illusions that that was going to fly, you know, fly off the shelf in an instant or anything. But I mean, if you're looking for a pocket watch, that's the one to get in my opinion. Yeah. But regardless, people are so strange now when you're buying and selling. Like the last watch I really bought and sold was, you know, to someone who wasn't just a friend or that I already knew and it was spoken right. for was probably like six months ago. And it, the experience is completely different now than it was. What do you think is up with people? Like I keep getting the people that like reach out, ask for the watch, say they're interested. I say, yep, it's still available. You know, this is what I'm asking, but I'm open to negotiation. Like I'm a pretty reasonable person. I always include like shipping in the cost and PayPal fees, if there are any, if, if it's someone like on, you know, another part of the world. So it's like, there's no extra fees or anything. I right. give them all the information. And then it's just like ghosted, not even making an offer. Like, dude, at least people had the decency to lowball you back in the day before they went silent on you. Now I right. don't even, I don't know. What, what do you think is going on? I don't, I've noticed the exact same thing. Um, it, it's, it's a weird it is some, it feels like something has shifted uh, and I, I really don't know. I really don't know what it is. It's the only thing I can think of is that there's, there's a bit of um, on the internet, people are very reactionary now mm -hmm. and um, can often be not nice. Like, there's a lot of not nice when you're hiding behind a, a screen, you know, far away, you know, a lot of the politeness, a lot of the, uh, kindness has kind of left the hobby i feel like as maybe it's because watches became so popular and we have this influx of um new people who don't have uh the same training not training but 
experience in the old ways, mm-hmm. uh, along with a lot of kind of wealth enthusiasts uh, who love their Rolexes and stuff like that, but who are now swimming in the same circles because they're buying them in the same places. And some of the gentlemanly, if you will, uh, practices of dealing, buying, selling, trading watches have evaporated. And that's just a, I'm just speculating. That's just a complete guess. I have no idea. I have no, no reason for, for that, but I've noticed the, the same thing. And because of that, because everything's a little bit meaner now online, people are afraid to offend. They're, they don't want to get into these things. They don't want to get negative feedback. So instead of lowballing, you know, which might be perceived as negative, they just, you know, if they hear a price that is not the low ball they were hoping for, you know, they didn't get the $200 for a 992 uh, that they hoped for. They just say nothing rather than come back to you and say like, Oh, I'll give you 150 bucks for it. You know, they just say nothing. And I think that's what it is. Everyone's kind of fishing for a good deal. And when they get a fair price, they're not really interested in at a fair price. So it's just easier to walk away than it is to risk any sort of confrontation or, or argument or back and forth. I've certainly dealt with a lot of dealers and it's kind of one of the main reasons why I, I, I love dealing with that, with, uh, with uh, Michael, because he's one of the few people I could talk to where I could be, you know, uh, I don't want to lowball you, but this is why I only want to pay this. And he'll come back to me with, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to accept that. Here's why, you know, and it's, you know, there's transparency. And, and I feel like that is completely non-existent in a lot of the rest of transactions out there. I can talk to people. I, you know, get a, ask for a quote for a watch and they come back with something that's absolutely ridiculous. Happened yesterday, you know, something I asked for a price on a watch, came back $5,000 over the Chrono 24 average. And everyone knows, at least in Canada, that the Chrono 24 prices are generally on the high side, if not 20% over Mm -hmm. the general selling price. So this, you know, comes back with a a $5,000 over on a watch that uh, on a price that's already 20% high. So that didn't even, I, I didn't answer him, you know, no, that's not true. I said, thank you. uh, And that was the end of that. But I just knew that the price that I was going to have to fire back just to reach fair let alone something that would motivate me um, was too far. It was too far of a stretch mm-hmm. uh, to get to that price. So I think it's a lot of dynamics like that, that, that are mixing around kind of new, well, I guess with new people comes new etiquette. So maybe it's not so much a matter of they don't know how it's done as it is that it's now changed on us uh, old timers or old timers like me. And, and, uh, and I'm the one who needs to relearn the way it's done. Uh, but it's definitely a change. And I think it's just new users with new ways of doing things and new culture around them. Um, and, uh, that in a combination of kind of fear of negative reactions and, you know, pricing discrepancies, mix them together. And we get this weird kind of confrontational buyer seller relationship that starts off almost starts off bad and we see it right you know like you go to sell a watch everyone you know everyone hates selling watches because it's just so unpleasant just so rarely a pleasant uh procedure and uh so we all kind of we all kind of avoid it but we all kind of have to do it it's why trades are nice it's why dealing you know between friends like your pam 25 is just such a pleasure and i just so much rather take a uh accept less money to have it go to a good home without trouble than to try and slog it out on the boards, to try and get a few extra bucks. Um, I think that's what it is. Do you have any kind of theories? Does that make any sense? I think you put it very aptly. I mean, probably we're a lot more, uh, we definitely were a lot more, um, you put it more eloquently than I probably would. I mean, essentially like uh, for me, it's just, I think we've just lost the ability to talk to each other properly. You know, it's just, like here's and maybe it's 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 on both ends because there are sellers who like I, and I've had it before like I'm I'm not one to outright lowball anybody just because I've been around long enough I know what's fair and I'm not interested in you know like I'm I'm not in this to like flip and resell so I'm not trying to you know 
leave margin to make a profit for myself. It's like, you know, I don't like, I don't view watches as an investment opportunity for me. It's just like, I'm buying the watch. If I lose a couple hundred bucks on it, it's a cost to do a business. If I make a couple hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks on it, sweet. Like it's, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, sure. But like, you've had, there are sellers out there too, who like, if you say to them like, Hey, like, you know, you know, like I'm selling my, like I'm selling my Bellmatic right now for, I think I'm asking, cause it's in such good shape and it's all original. I'm asking like $400 uh, US That's right fair. now. It's fair. I mean, it's, I'd say like, you, yeah, can you go on, can you go on eBay and get a Bellmatic for 150 bucks? Yeah. With like fake dials and hands and it's missing a bracelet and it's over polished and stuff like that. But I mean, here's my thing is it's like, I know that somebody, like I expect somebody's going to want to make a deal right? When they ask, when they ask for the watch, I've only had it happen a couple of times where someone's just like outright paying my, my asking price. Right. Right. So, um, like for me, that, that, that's when you know, you've underpriced it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I probably would agree with you there. I mean, yeah. but like I, or it's, or it's a really like desirable piece. Like it was my, um, it was my uh, Doxa 300 T, which I think they only listed for like 150 bucks under MSRP. And, but the guys is like, yep, I'll take it. I'm like, uh, that would have been me if I had seen it. I would have grabbed it. Well, I'm like, you don't want it. You don't want to haggle. You don't want to try and like, you know, knock it down to like 500 bucks off MSRP. He's like, you know, I didn't say that to him because I'm just happy to accept the offer. But I'm sure. like, he's like, no, I'll take it. If you could mail it out tomorrow from FedEx, that'd be perfect. FedEx thing's a whole nightmare in itself. FedEx sucks lately, but um, it just we got it. Like it's just. I guess people are afraid of these like crazy sellers that'll yell at you or say something horrible because you try and, you know, get a deal for yourself. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm one of these people where it's like, you know, if there's a dispute over what the price should be, like, at least I'll come with backup and say like, Hey, like there's this listing, this listing, yeah. this listing. This they're is all, why. Yeah. They're all from the last 30 days or this person has like a buy it now price for it on eBay. And generally eBay, depending on the piece, can be a little bit on the upside of the market as well too because people are accounting for ebay fees and things like that right but i just it just seems like people are afraid to go back and forth and haggle a bit and it's like do you actually care about getting this watch then or is this just an impulse buying because it wasn't an easy an easy interaction you're just choosing not to engage any further which is fine but just tell me that don't tell me you're interested that i'm sat there for two days wondering if you're going to get back to me right and and so i i've had some frustrations with that over the years or over the last uh couple weeks of, of trying to sell pieces and move pieces. But um, I just, it's a different ball game out there. And I think what's going to, you're going to see happen now um, is people who aren't in it for the money or don't need the money, right? Like if you're, if you're, you know, if you had some issue with your home or your vehicle, or you just need money for whatever, and you need to flip your Rolex and you need to flip it fast. I mean, a Rolex might be a bad example, but in this market, they're a little bit softer now than they used to be. Um, you know, they need to flip your money. You need to flip your watch. Like you're kind of going to be at the behest of the market and whatever comes your way if you need money fast. But when you're yeah. an enthusiast and you just collect watches because you enjoy the hobby, you enjoy the community. I feel like what you're going to start to see happen is uh, people just keeping all the good stuff for themselves and only dealing with other like-minded enthusiasts. Kind of like we said, you said earlier, like it's a pleasure to deal with your friends and it yeah. feels good to deal with somebody that, you know, the watch is going to go to a good home. It's going to someone who's like enthusiastic and happy about it. Not just some person who just doesn't even really seem to care, isn't really interested. And I mean, their money's as good as anybody else. And at the end of the day, like I'll sell as long as they're like actually communicating with me, but it's just not, it's just, it's losing some of the flavor. And I'm not sure what's, what's up with that. Well, the, uh, you know, the other thing I noticed on, on one of the, Canadian uh, boards that that uh, I frequent um, is there's a positive and negative review section mm. and there's this huge huge there's a lot of negative reviews about people that flake out on a deal okay yeah and reading through a lot of these it, it occurred to me that you know someone's saying so effectively what a lot of them are complaining about is that uh, you'll say, hey, James, I've got this 992B for sale. And I'll say, great, I'll take it. And um, and then you'll say, okay, great, uh, cost is this much. And I say, you know what, I've changed my mind. And that, you know, that constitutes a, a flaking. And 
uh, garners negative feedback, which I think is a bit much. So in my books, it's not a done deal until money has changed hands. Agreed. Now, perhaps we can take it a step further. And if you and I agree on a price and I say, okay, here's my, uh, here's my email address for the interact transfer, here's my PayPal. And then you say nothing to me. Well, it is agreed upon that I am expecting payment. I'm waiting for payment. Fine. That, that would constitute flaking as well. We've agreed upon a price and you said you're going to send the money and the money never shows up. That's worthy of it. But up until that point, even if someone says, I'll take it, if they keep asking questions, if they see something they don't like, if they, it's, not, it's not flaking until there is a, a contractual exchange or at least a promise of a contractual exchange of, of money. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think, is part of the same, the same thing we're seeing. It's this, you know, this rush to complain rush to send negative and negative feedback's hard to hard to get around even if, you know even if it's something that that is you know justifiable that you have to explain you know negative feedback is a stain on your reputation so it's it's like we're going it's like we're going a bit too far and and we need to i don't know i don't know what we need to do it just seems feels to me like this kind of rush to to punish someone for never actually promising to give them any money for something is symptomatic of some of our other problems with buying and selling watches. It's just one aspect of it. Well, I think you're kind of describing like cancel culture in the watch community, basically. I was, I was avoiding it, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it's almost like, you know, like I'm going to punish you online for, for having, you know, wronged me in this very minute way. Mm-hmm. I had a buddy, a very good friend of mine who, who sold a watch or was selling a watch online. And he was very clear that this watch needed service. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a guy who was interested in it. And my buddy said, he was very interested in it. He wanted to buy it. My buddy said, actually, no, you know what? I, I'm not going to sell it to you. I'm not comfortable selling it to you in this condition. I'm going to bring it um, to my watch repair guy, I'm going to have him look at it, service it, and I'll let you know, you know, what comes from that, but I'm not comfortable selling it in this condition. So he brings it into the shop. Guy looks at it and says, oh, it's going to cost you this much to fix, but if you want, I'll give you this much for it. My buddy does the math, you know, the cost of the repair, the cost of science says, you know what, take it. It's yours. And the next so he goes you know he writes back to the other guy you know sorry i brought it in to be serviced and uh it was going to be too much to service and i just you know he offered me some so i just i let him take it and and i don't have the watch anymore so the guy starts dragging the the buyer starts dragging my buddy through the mud publicly on uh on facebook for you know for not following through with the sale of this thing and, and like, he's being really nasty about it. And, and, you know, my buddy keeps, my buddy's trying to stay calm and he keeps saying, you know, I will, I can show the text back and forth. Like he was, he was honest and straight up about it. And this guy just wanted the watch. And if you didn't give it to him, he was going to do his best to, to tar and feather you online out of some sort of vindictive as if he was owed the watch, you know, as if it was, it was his right to that watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was ridiculous to read. And what was more worrisome is that I watched an awful lot of people flock to the buyer's side. You know, the, the seller was automatically wrong and the buyer was this, this poor victim. And this, boy, I tell you, I, I stopped listing watches at that moment for a little while. I just couldn't get past that. It was just, that was on, that was on, uh, I guess it was Facebook and like, I just won't sell there anymore. It's just too wild west. There's no decorum. There's no reasonable way of, of, of dealing with people. So I don't know. I mean, you need access to a market, but the market is full of, uh, of you know, difficult people. And, and frankly, it's full of good people too. Let's not overly mm-hmm. uh, overdo this, but it only takes one like really bad experience to ruin a hundred really good ones and really leave you with a sour taste to go like, why am I doing this? 
you know, and that brings me back, you know, sorry, it brings me back to why I deal primarily with one guy in Toronto that I can work with. And that's because, yeah, you know, he's a business, he makes money. So that means I lose a little bit of money every time I trade with him, but I don't have to deal with any of this. Mm -hmm. It just effortlessly, you know, I, I send a box off to him and I get a new box and I preserve the vast majority of the, of the investment in the pieces and, and I get to go on and I get to have that new watch feeling with none of that stuff. And so I've, I've come down to the fact where I have accepted that what I'm paying for really is peace of mind. Mm-hmm. He's, he is selling my, my watch uh, dealer uh, sells me peace of mind, not watches. He sells me peace of mind. He trades me watches and sells me peace of mind. It's, it's kind of really hard to go outside of that, even though there's you know more money to be had if I do. I think that's a great point. And, and you're right. Like, it's just, I'm going to pay that little bit extra just to make sure I don't have to deal with a headache. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a, a really good uh, a point that you're bringing up and kind of the direction. I think a lot of people that are legitimately in this hobby because they enjoy the watches and this isn't about finances for them are going to start going, or they're going to start seeing maybe like more exclusive buy and sell communities where essentially it's like, these are the rules. If you have a problem with it, either don't join. And if you create a problem, you're going to be out. And it's basically like, you're just not going to have access to these pieces at these prices. And people aren't going to be willing to make a deal with you as someone in the community, if you're going to be causing problems. And and I think you, you also brought up a point as well, which is we're describing as particularly the example uh, with your friend there. I think that we're describing probably a very minute part of the community. Yeah, Um, for sure. You know, there's, I've had, probably over the years, I'd say over a hundred, if not more deals that I've conducted uh, either on uh, Instagram, on, I don't think I ever did one on Facebook, but on Instagram, on uh, like various forums. I think I maybe even did a couple on eBay, but certainly where I bought a lot off eBay where, you know, they've gone off without a hitch. And if there is a hitch, we communicate and we figure it out. Right. I mean, I've had a couple of watches that have arrived and, you know, they're got roughed up in the delivery process. And now it's yeah. like, Oh, you know, it's not running anymore. Or, oh, there's a problem with whatever. And it's like, okay, it's a like, cool man. Like, you know, obviously I showed you, know, I showed you it was running when I, before I sent it, obviously there's a problem. It's like, okay, let's, let's split a repair cost then. Uh, why yeah. are you back some money for a service then? Or if you want a refund, send it back. I, I, I totally understand. It sucks to get like a bum watch. Right. Like, and I've never been able to, I've never had an issue navigating a problem with somebody but if there's not that communication at all, and, and just the person on the other side of the deal, whether it's the buyer or the seller, isn't willing to talk to you, then it, it makes it really, really difficult. And I think, yeah, I, I don't know where things are going to go with it. I mean, maybe people are also, because you've seen sort of this um, development or this change in the watch market with how big it's become, where there are sources like Chrono24. eBay has like a whole watch section now, right? You have all the also all the gray market dealers that have like some of them are pretty, pretty nice and, and easy to uh, navigate websites where it's taken out a lot of the human interaction of having to buy and sell these pieces. It's like, just click in basket, give my credit card, done. So when someone says, oh, now I got to go on for two days, messaging back and forth with someone to buy it. It's like, oh, I'll just find one on eBay and click and buy it and whatever, right? And I think that there's, yeah. That might be some of where it's been it's been lost, but yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not sure. It's interesting to see where it's going to go uh, over the, into the future. But we don't want to. I just want to finish off this section of the conversation by just saying that I think that uh, you know the majority of the community is solid people. I love the community. I have a whole show surrounding the community. Obviously, I wouldn't be here without the community. And I think you know 99.9 percent of you are all solid people. It's just that one or two that just ruin it for the rest. So just yeah. don't think we're, we're talking, if you're listening to this and if you're actually taking the time to listen to a show like mine, you're probably not the person I'm talking about. So don't, <laughs> uh, don't, don't sweat it. Um, but I, I will uh, just to wrap up that topic, talk about a really interesting um, trade that I did. And it was one, not my first trade, but one of my latest trades that I've done uh, and probably my most recent one in a very long time Um where and I'm just for his own um, anonymity, I'm not sure if he wants details out there. I won't say his name, but um, I was connected through a couple of other guests with this individual who is like a really prolific dive watch collector. 
Um, cause there is, you know, I've been doing my thing with Zodiac the last couple months and I've been really, it's been really awesome to have that opportunity to work with them and like talking with Mike and talking with guests, um, like Yuri, for example, who wrote literally the book on Zodiac, his episode comes out in two days, but at the time they will have listened to this episode, it will have already been out for a while. So you'll know who I'm talking about when you actually hear this episode, <laughs> but, um, he's, you know, he's phenomenal. Like there's such a cool community around these watches and they're really starting to kind of be appreciated and come into their own yeah. as, as a brand in, in the modern uh, context again. And um, there's this original super sea wolf that I've wanted for a long time. And like, kind of like that weird, not UFO shape, but kind of like barrel shaped case. And it's got like orangey red accents. And like, it's just, it's got like that, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but I've seen it on Zodiacs and I've seen it on Certina's. It's got like that, like a a nut type thing that surrounds the crystal like it's almost yeah. like it kind of like compresses and screws the watch together um it's got that kind of thing which i've always thought is just so cool and um yeah I, i've wanted that piece for a while so i spoke to like a couple of my guests who've been on who are like really into vintage watches and they connected me with this individual and i reached out and um he's exactly like we were talking we, we've been talking about where he's one of these guys he's like I'm in, I, he said to me, I'm in, I'm into watches for the relationships, not the things. And right. he's like, as long as the watches go into a good home, I'm more than happy to give you like a great deal on it. And we ended up working out a trade. So I just traded him one watch for that piece. Uh, and it runs and it's in good shape, but I wanted to kind of bring it back to its former glory within reason. I'm not going to redial it and I'm not going to relume it or anything, but it does have some loom damage. So I'm going to uh, fill that refill the hands or like inert color match loom and things like that right. but i'm getting it sent to yuri so then i'm telling him about how it's getting sent to yuri and he's like wait like the yuri the guy who wrote the book mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah he's like oh that's so cool because now he's like this zodiac enthusiast who's having his watch worked on by like the zodiac enthusiast the zodiac, and, yeah right and then we got um and then I spoke, I reached out to Zodiac, the company, and now they want kind of to be involved in it. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool to see. There's going to be kind of like a little cool um, restoration video series that we're hoping we're going to do. And it might be like a YouTube exclusive thing. Um, I'll, I'll, I don't know if there's a way I can put it on Instagram. The episodes are probably going to be kind of long, but um, yeah, I'm going to be putting that out, kind of showing the restoration of it. And we'll see how kind of like Zodiac, the company can kind of factor into the equation as well too, but it'll be really cool to see the restoration process of this watch and, uh, get that on the wrist and kind of compare it to, um, the modern ones as well too. But like, there's so many cool projects like that, that can come out of this community. And it just, it's just about connecting with people and, and, uh, making the right relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. That's I'll be I'll be very interested to see the results of that restoration and the the, the procedure that goes through it. And and you've got the right guy, and you know you've got the company behind you. So it's that's really fascinating. Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. Make sure to document it really well. I don't mm. have to tell you this, but like a, like a before and after is going to be really 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 interesting i think um, i think we're going to do like a part one where it's just going to be like the watch arrives kind of an assessment you know open it up see what's inside of it look at the movement look at kind of the you know showing that kind of stuff and then on the you know like maybe a part two will be kind of like the cleaning and prep and then a part three will be like the relooming the hands and the reassembly and the regulation and the timing and and all that and I think it'd be kind of, it'd be really interesting to kind of do it that way, I think. And then you kind of get to stick the before, the in-between and the after, um, which I think would be a lot of fun. I got to, I'm trying to, uh, I, when I got my previous Zodiac, they were kind enough to send over a really nice Zodiac branded Tropic strap, which uh, is extremely comfortable and I really, really enjoy. And uh, I think I'm going to put it on that in the meantime, because I'm trying to find an original bracelet for it. I guess most of the bracelets for Zodiacs back then were all JB champion bracelets. Okay. Um, but they're, and they're not super hard to come by. They just, they're not super easy to come by either, particularly at, at uh, fair prices. Right. So that's one that I'm keeping my eye out for some super seawolf bracelets that I can uh, pick up and, and throw that thing on. And there's so many different versions of it too. So that'll be really, really cool. But yeah, that'll be a really fun project to kind of do and, and work on for the summer. And I'm trying to get like a hashtag going the summer of Zodiac. So if you, right. uh, 
if you end up picking up picking one up or anybody else listening who has one, start using hashtag Summer of Zodiac. The company's already on board and aware of it, and they're happy to uh, have that develop into kind of a thing as well too, which I think is going to be so much fun. One yes. piece that uh, you had mentioned, I believe it was incoming at the time, and then you received it shortly after our last episode was your Jaeger. Yeah, Not yeah, the that beauty. That is the Chronograph. Uh, chronograph two nice master master compressor chronograph two that's awesome um i'm not sure why they couldn't come up with a more creative name but it's a second version which has in my opinion uh some aesthetic details that really kind of differentiate it from the first one it just looks better um in my opinion it's a very nice watch. I've had it for a while now. I don't think it's really clicking in my collection. I don't think it's really? going to stay. It's going to be one of those ones that I'm going to have to try and find a buyer for. Uh, it's it's really beautiful in all regards, but as it happens too often, somehow you just don't, the chemistry isn't there. I'm just not falling in love. And I think part of the problem is I tend to like my dress watches on <clears throat> fine leather and my sport watches on something that can get um, a little bit uh, wet you know mm -hmm. rubber or or a bracelet and this kind of although it's a sporty croc strap and it's it's gorgeously made and beautiful uh, deployant clasp and all that stuff ends up being kind of a sporty watch that you have to avoid water because it's on a leather bracelet and that's always, I don't know, that always bothers me. Um, so I know there's a bracelet available for it, probably at a ridiculous price, mm -hmm. if I were to actually find one. And at the same time, I think that ruins the aesthetic a little bit. So I think my problem with this watch is it's it's kind of straddling. It's a little bit dressy and a little bit sporty and not really much of either or not enough of, of either category. And so I find myself rarely reaching for it because um, it just doesn't kind of uh, fit, I guess, any, any way that I use watches. So for that reason, that reason alone, because it's, it's gorgeous as a um, solid gold medallion on the case back, um, the dial is just three-dimensional and, and fascinating to look at. And, and if there's someone out there that doesn't have the hangups I have about what should be exposed to water and what shouldn't, um, then it'll make a lovely piece uh, to someone's collection. It's in great shape and full full kit and all that stuff. But yeah, it just doesn't, um, I haven't actually gotten around to listing it anywhere, mainly because of the stuff we were talking about. But I think it's it's going to be cued for uh, for the dock in, in that regard. I'm liking, I'm liking, you know, from your Zodiac is that, have you seen that titanium? You must've seen the, the new Pro Diver titanium. Yeah, like that's cool. what I think I would replace the JLC with. It's that thing. Nice. It is, it is just really, really cool. I'm, I'm looking at it here. It's, it's really, I'm surprised they're still available. It's a limited edition. I expected them to kind of disappear, but they, from their site, I can put up to 10 of them in my, in my shopping cart. I don't know if that uh, means there's only 10 left, but there's at least 10 left, I guess. Uh, but it's a beautiful, beautiful watch, beautiful strap. It's really something else have you seen this thing in person by any chance i haven't seen it in connections i haven't seen it in person i've had uh, i've seen like other people like pictures of like people who have, who've got them in person so not just like the catalog photos and stuff and right. like it it looks awesome like the one thing that i didn't i mean i guess in hindsight looking at it i should have expected it but i just didn't click because they have sort of like they're known for sort of those like kind of cool like sapphire bezels with like really kind of like uh rich colors and things like that so it's yep. got that like green kind of bezel on it and i didn't yep. realize is that the whole bezel is loomed like not loomed. just the numbers like on the pelagos or something but the whole, whole thing glows the whole thing glows i was like damn, that thing like it looks like you know like a lightsaber or something like that like yeah. it's so it's so cool so i really that made me like it even more obviously you know i'm a huge sucker for titanium like i got three titanium dive watches in my collection and i'm like I get one of those too, but hmm. I, I think I gotta I gotta cool it on the on zodiacs and watches for a while. But right. um really cool piece. I think you can't go wrong with it. I know like they're really like I think that piece was sort of um the beginning of the next chapter for the company, right? I mean, right. they've had this uh in between with that where they've been where it's like okay, they've been starting to kind of like really work on 
their pieces and their reputation and but kind of playing it a little bit safe and like more conservative like really digging into the uh, heritage models of the brand and you know having fun with colors which I think has been great I know like particularly not the aerospace line because now Breitling owns that which they also own Seawolf so that's yeah. why they had to use Super Seawolf Super Seawolf yeah but um they uh have been I guess it's like the the Super Seawolf GMT models now right where they have like some really beautiful really interesting looking um bezel colors but now the brand I think is really going in a direction where it's like about creating innovation and going forward too, not just in, not just uh, reestablishing the past and digging into their heritage. So, I mean, that watch, like it has a beautiful handset. It's a very modern look. It has this wonderful, incredible loom. Obviously titanium is uh, a, a wonderful metal that I really yeah. enjoy the bracelet on it. I believe like they have similar versions, but I think that bracelet is the first as well. It's certainly the first in titanium. And I think it's the first uh, iteration of that a bracelet for them as well. Um, yeah. So they really pulled out all the stops. The only criticism that I have, and I, I, I had to think on this for a while and someone actually mentioned it to me and I was like, huh, you're right. Is it's a dive watch. I believe it's a quite a deep dive watch too. I think it's like 500 meters or something like that. Um, but then they put a butterfly clasp on it, which I feel like if it's a, a tough professional dive watch like that, maybe it should have had like a flip lock or right. some sort of um, innovative, um, some sort of innovative clasp system, which I understand is expensive and, and challenging to do. Um, but that would have, I think, brought the watch to a whole new level and really sent right. it to the stratosphere. The, I mean, it comes, I believe it comes with a couple of really cool uh, fabric straps as well too, and maybe a rubber strap. So you don't necessarily have to have it on the bracelet, but I mean, if you're like me, like I like my dive watches that are, that come with a bracelet to be on the bracelet and generally otherwise, I mean, like the, the Panerai is nice because I can have fun with all sorts of straps, but sure. they're made to be on straps, right? So right. it's, that's my only criticism. And, but I think the price is phenomenal for what you're getting. I think the specs are phenomenal. I think that they did a really good job and I I'm excited. I mean, I've had a pretty cool look at what's coming for the rest of the year. I haven't had a chance yet to look into 2023, but I think uh, the brand director is going to send me some stuff here uh, to get an idea of what's coming down the pipe. But like the rest of what's coming down the pipe for 2022 is insane. So I think people are going to be extremely happy with the direction yeah. that the brand is going as am I. And there's going to be no shortage of great watches out there. Because I believe for this one, they're only making 282 as well. Yeah, but so, certainly this color scheme, I mean, this you know hashtag summer of zodiac i mean if there's ever a perfect watch for that i mean this is this is the way to do it with those colors and uh yeah just that would be a great a great summer watch you know it's mm. it's it's interesting though you know i, I remember uh uh your interview with uh michael pearson that? yeah mike yeah mike yeah yeah and he was also on um another podcast scottish watches podcasters mm. or yeah, something like that. And it was interesting in both in both instances, he made comment about the color, the bright colors that Zodiac is known for, and how it seems important to him to make the blander, maybe bland is the wrong word, the the more standard, you know, all black dive watch, uh, blue dive watch, kind of less loud colored watches. It was important for him to make those more popular more mm -hmm. more more accepted to, to to be less connected to um brightly colored watches which i thought was was interesting because when i think of zodiac that you know i love the fact that they're the guys doing these bright colors like I, I love that that's that's what i associate with them and that's why i love their stuff so when i look at their watches and i see you know an all black diver it's it's like well that's you know that's what a boring rolex submariner is for you know that's what that's what the other guys do this is what what you do. And I, I get that if he can get to the point or if they can get to the point where they're selling their all black divers effectively or with as much, uh, with as much popularity as their colorful ones, then they will have succeeded as a business. I guess that might be mainly what he meant, but did you get any sort of feeling for that or what he was, you know, why he seemed to want to move away from color or did I just get that wrong? 
Um, I, I don't necessarily think that they're trying to move away from color. I think you just hit it on the head that they just don't want to be exclusively known for that, right? I mean, that, I mean, then essentially you're entering the realm of like Doxa and other brands like that, where that is their thing is basically making right. colorful, bright divers. And then you become sort of a, um, a novelty, right? And I don't, I think that they want to be viewed as like a prestigious horological maker. They're doing in-house, they're trying to do good things with these with this brand and the properties of the brand that they pertain um and i think that you sort of said it already where it's like yeah if they can get to a point where they're selling everything every single batch is selling out in, in all yeah. their iterations um then when they can do some cool stuff with color that's going to be something special and i think that you know right now colors what's paying the bills for them and to keep them going forward and why we're seeing kind of like these re-editions of like the watermelon which i think was the steel version of the titanium watch they just yeah. put out um you know some of the cool things they did with the or the cool colors that they do with like the gmt and stuff like that um even with uh just like the super sea wolf the standard super sea wolf like i think that that's with paying the bills if i were to speculate uh right. while they're developing the whole brand image as a whole i think that some of what i've seen that's coming down the pipe, um, particularly in like the next like five, six months or so is going to help them achieve very much so the vision that they have uh, and, and what they're trying to do with uh, working with bright colors, but also in using um, more traditional colorways as well too, but to really establish establish the brand is like okay, these guys are here to play at the table with the big boys, and right. and I I think they already have achieved that to a certain degree. I mean, having been able to handle a zodiac now and feel uh, the quality of it and what they're making, like especially at the prices they're charging, like the watches are phenomenal. Um, yeah. I think that they're going to be as soon as people start to really kind of tune in to the message they're putting out there and give these watches the chance or even go down to an authorized dealer and have the opportunity to put their hands on one and feel one, they're going to be very happy. Um, a hundred percent. They're doing, they're doing great things. And um, that's yeah. the catch, right? That's the catches they need. I, I would frankly probably have one in my collection if there was an AD in Montreal that I could go down yeah. and and kind of put the thing in my hand. I probably wouldn't put it down. I'd probably be like, this is amazing. It's how much, here's my credit card. Let's go. It's, you know, they're, they're, they're I mean, they're not, it's not, thousands of dollars is not insignificant for a watch, but yeah. in the grand scheme of this hobby of ours, it's a, it's a low price point given that it is a full serious watch it's not one of those watches where it's like it's it's good for the price or you know it, it is good full stop and it has a aggressive price full stop so it's got that kind of double thing and really the only catch is that i look at this watch and i really have no feel for it other than the pictures and uh and uh you know, a dealer network, a place where I could be seen online, or, you know, maybe even they have an aggressive return policy that can sometimes cover this, you know, where you, where if you, for any reason, don't like the watch, send it back, that, that helps too, just the idea to be able to, to kind of put it in hand and see it is a, is a powerful element to sales. And, you know, Fossil Group behind them probably gives them a lot of potential retail access I think it does, but from my understanding, they don't want to, like, obviously it's not a secret that Fossil Group owns them, but I believe that they're trying to establish their own, uh, establish their own identity and kind of stay protected from Fossil Group because it's kind of two different audiences that are buying Fossil's watches versus are buying yeah. Zodiac's watches. It's kind of like between like Invicta and Glycine. Like, right. like Glycine really kind of protects what they're doing separate from Invicta kind of largely because at least outside of the or within the watch community Invicta is kind of looked down upon compared to right. you know maybe the the mall retail audience um so it's a weird spot to be in I think that they are navigating it beautifully and they're doing some incredible things and I definitely look forward to seeing where it's going to go but and I don't, and unless something, you know, horrible happens or something really goes sideways, I don't see them having any problems uh, being able to achieve exactly what they want to do. Right. Oh, yeah. good. Let's hope, hopefully for, for them, we have some uh, fun new stuff coming. 
Well, we'll uh, and we'll chat off when we're done recording. We'll chat, and maybe I can, you know, get mine out there for you to enjoy and and see oh, what cool. you think of it before you pick one up. So we'll kind of go from there. Um, but nice. we'll we'll chat about that after we're done recording. But yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun, and there's a lot of really interesting going interesting things going on in the watch world. And you know, it's been it's been a great time to kind of just chat about the community more and brands that are doing cool things and brands that we enjoy and obviously get updates on our new pickups and our new arrivals as well too yeah. it's been a, a treat having you on the show again uh, thank you i absolutely love chatting with you i think you're an excellent uh an excellent co-host and i'm sure we'll see you <laughs> on the show uh, uh one or two more times maybe even this year uh so I wonderful think that'll be a lot of fun uh before we uh wrap up though I, you know i always kind of have my question that i pose to people we talked a lot about the community today. Yeah. I think, I think my question last time that I asked you was like someone new coming into the space. Um, what advice would yep. you give them with regards to brands to look at and kind of where to start as a collector. But uh, my question to you today is as someone who's been in the community, who's had a lot of similar experiences to what I've had, or is just, you know, been around long enough to have been there, seen that and done that. Um, what would you like to see different in the community or what would you like maybe the community to think about uh, just, just, just food for thought for people to kind of think about and uh, consider maybe about the community going forward? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I, I guess, you know, I guess I'd like the community just to, to, to kind of stay the course, to keep being kind of this unique hobby centered around a product that we can all just kind of get around and really, really enjoy and, and, and maybe try and get, you know, so much face-to-face and, and personal watch related interactions like the one we're having today, like you'd have at a, a red bar group or any sort of watch meetup or just your, you know, your buddy who also likes watches can be so friendly and so fun and, and it can bond to people uh, that have nothing else in common and don't really know each other, but just like watches, you know, the minute you see, we've all had this, right? You're in a restaurant and someone's wearing, you know, not, not us. So it's not a Rolex. So something a little bit more enthusiast, uh, a Doxa, you know, Doxa, great example. An old Cas- Casio calculator watch or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, something where like, you know, that they know, yeah. And you can just be like, hey, nice watch. And it like it can start a conversation and it can or at least an exchange that just couldn't happen otherwise. And and I think we need to focus on that and and you know build on that and and uh, drop some of the some of the negativity that seems to be creeping in. And that that might be easier, that is easier said than done. Um but it would be what I would wish uh, for the community as, you know, a way of going forward is try and bring that fun and that respect and that face-to-face interaction and spread that, you know, through, uh, through the ones and zeros of the internet and try and bring that, you know, bring it a little, little bit closer. It would be nice. A hundred percent. I think like, you know, just, even to summarize it a little further, go a little further with it. It's like this space is a state is a sanctuary for a lot of people, right? I mean, you have um, people from all walks of life, all different socioeconomic levels, all different countries, all different cultures in this space. And we all like the same things. And like, that's kind of one of the things that I find is so interesting about being able to talk to people from all over the world. It's like, some of the things that people experience and the lives that they've had and things that they've done are completely different from you know, myself living where I live and having the life that I have, but we're able to get together and talk for an hour and a half about watches, something that the average everyday person probably wouldn't even think twice about. Right. Sure. And I think that being able to maintain and protect that, which I think we still have as a community, but something to keep going forward is that people are here to get away from the crap going on in the rest of the world. Let's keep it that way where it's it's inclusive for everybody it's it's a good place for everyone to be where they don't have to feel like they have to worry about all the negativity that's going on in the rest of the world all the time and um try and you know have fun enjoy yourself it's not just about the thing it's about the people and the relationship too and that's i think something that I've been really trying to focus on lately and I, and I hope other people think about as well too. And, and I know there's lots of people who already do and, and are very community oriented and 
I love them that much for it. So, right. Um, it's yeah. a special community we're in, man. It's a, it's a special, it's a special place. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we just got to keep it that way. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure, James. It's always great to have you on. Um, one more time for the people who maybe didn't catch your last episode, but you're going to catch this one. What are some of your socials or landing spots? People can kind of interact with you or give you feedback on this episode or just kind of check out what you got in your own collection and uh, chat with you. Oh, that's easy. It's uh, it's all Instagram. It's at flying spring bar. Uh, all one word. Uh, that's me. Yeah. Reach out to me there. If, uh, if, uh, if anything, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. I always enjoy, uh, our chats and uh, always uh, enjoy well two times now enjoy the the podcast and would be uh, happy to come back anytime 100 100% we'll definitely make that happen and uh, yeah likewise for myself uh, if you have any questions comments feedback uh, please feel free to shoot me an email at ricoswatchespodcast at gmail.com um, additionally if you want to follow along with the show sort of in its uh, central hub of uh, existence for updates and things like that head over to Rico's Watches podcast on Instagram you can shoot me a DM there anytime I'm pretty responsive and genuinely try to get back to everybody uh, it's also a great place just to follow along with updates and things that are going on with uh, myself my own collection the show sometimes I run the occasional uh, contest giveaway things like that as well uh, additionally, uh, if you're enjoying the show in a audio medium across the various podcast platforms that it is available on, but would like to enjoy it further uh, in a visual medium, head over to the Rico's Watches Podcast YouTube channel, just Rico's Watches Podcast over there as well. Uh, just please uh, like, follow, subscribe, hit the bell icon, leave a comment, all that YouTube crap to make sure that the algorithm works perfectly and more people can discover the show as well too. It's always appreciated. Uh, and if for anybody that's interested in going over to any of those places, I'll make sure I link everything in the description boxes below on this episode, just like all my other episodes. James, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, pleasure. chatting. Thank you. And I look forward to having the opportunity to have you on the show again. You have yourself a wonderful day. Awesome, dude. You too. Take it easy.